20 episodes. episodes. 20 hours of your life has been spent listening yes. to us. If you listen to all 20 hours of this... Almost You're now 20 hours smarter. Full day of your <laughs> life has been spent listening to us ramble online. Uh, Although I've been getting random feedback from people online. People I know not connected to our community about our podcast. Like yeah. people listening to it, which shocks like, me. Oh, you guys said this. I'm like, what? oh, did we? Uh, <laughs> well, great. that's true. Sometimes yes. I go, what? I said, what? What? Um, you know what's a bastard this week is Lent for me. I'm ready to be done with I actually my Lenten fast. So we, I actually thought about talking about Lent today because we're both at the, this is the last week of it. Yeah. Or the last, I guess, next week too. But like it's at the tail end and talking about like, I don't think people actually sit down and talk about because it it's, it's also easy for Lent just to become the new habit, right? This, right. The, the thing you're not going to pick back up. Like if you said, oh, I'm giving up porn for Lent. Well, you're not going to. You're not going to start looking... You're not going to tell everybody... Can't wait till Lent's <laughs> over. You're going on a porn binge on Easter Sunday. <laughs> hey, it just is what it is. Jesus died for this too. 40 days. <laughs> 40 um, days. But, like... But there is this sort of, like, weird normalcy that resets. And for me, it is, like, with giving up social media. Like, I think it's fundamentally changed the way I'm going back to that. Mm, it's not for me. Actually, I guess so. I'm going to change the way I do coffee. <laughs> but I need something really bad. No... No, I think I'm going to drink it in a different way, but I am, with beer it is. I'm going to try to make a stance. I have felt really good that, you know, I drink a lot on Sundays right now. And, uh... <laughs> Sermons have been great. <laughs> drink a lot on Sundays. Drunk every Sunday. But I'm like, oh, it feels good because we drink a lot. And I'm like, we no. Uh, so I, my, I think I'm going to try to have a rule that, hey, I drink on the weekends or if there's, you know, some sort of occasion happening. Last time I went out with my... Which is always the occasion, but always the it's going to be a little you're, less. You're going to be like the guy who only smokes when you drink, but you drink every night. <laughs> so you can just so you can continue smoking. I went out with my kids last night. My wife's out of town, and we tend to have like a dude's night when my wife's out of town. We went out, and we were at B-dubs, and my first instinct is always to order beer, because by that by the time I'm we're, we're out for dinner, I'm already sick of single dad duty. So I, get a, I was like, I get a beer, and I was like, I'm not going to... I don't have to get a beer. I could just get water. I would feel way the hell better if I just got <laughs> just water. Just water. I got a tall beard. Like, by the time we got home, I was irritated and tired. And... I think I'm going to try, for at least two weeks, bulletproof coffee in the morning. Are you going back to that? I'm going to try it. I feel like my brain lately is just deteriorating. Well, so, I, so I've always thought that you must be exhausted. Because you don't... You sleep, what? Like, three hours a night? No, I, I... If I get less than five... I feel tired, but I shoot for five. But you'll you'll regularly. Give but I mean, up, I've definitely done four hours. You'll regularly give up sleep for video games or watching TVs or movies at night. Yeah, definitely. Um, or for whatever whatever it is I want to do. That's what, but I've always thought I've always thought you could do that because you drink so much coffee. <laughs> it's probably it. That's probably with, why I'm so tired right now because I've been drinking coffee. So you gave up coffee. Has it made you like sleep better? Has it? No, this whole week I felt so tired all the time, and I'm like, uh. I think it's a, I think there's a seasonal change this week because I'm exhausted this week. Yeah, I, um, no, but so I just listened to a podcast with Brandon Ralph. He was the guy who was Superman and Superman Returns, the really crappy one, with, like right. with uh, um, all right, wait, Kevin Spacey was uh, uh that's Lex Luthor. It was really stupid. Um, and uh, anyways, he was just talking about it, and I asked a couple friends who I know people don't like it, the bulletproof thing. But I, like I asked about the science behind it, and the science is true. Like, when you drink caffeine straight, it goes straight there, and it does stimulate everything, but yeah. then it goes down. But when you wrap it in fats, your body just processes it slower, so, so it just sort of... That makes sense. Uh, anyways, anything that's going to give me some too. better 
mental capabilities. It's expensive. I, I own a coffee shop. Let's let the coffee shop oh, buy, but, buy but so, my so Kerrygold butter. So if you're butter. Like that, it's yeah, like, so I'll get the Kerrygold butter and butter the coconut oil. And coconut, yeah. that's what. And I then you blend it. It's a thick drink. It's yeah. like drinking something more like a latte. No, it t- you can taste it. And it's you, weird because you can taste the butter on your teeth. You can. And I like butter. Like, I'm, not, I'm never going to say no to butter. But um, another thing he said, and we don't have to talk about this <laughs> anymore, but the other thing he said was if you take a big job, like glob of grass-fed butter and put it on your steak, that's oh, way yeah. better than eating like fries and everything else oh, you yeah. eat it with it too. Yeah. He's a big fan of fats. So I re- that, that, it's interesting you bring this up. So I've been really concentrating on reading a lot more this year. Like I was trying to do a book a week and I got wrecked by my kid's spring break last week. Um, and this damn Thomas Merton book that is the worst thing I've ever read. I hate it. <laughs> um, but so I, I, I'm trying to kick that habit again. And so I ordered two books yesterday, but these are dietary books. And this guy's main idea is, is that we got sold a bill of goods, that it's fat, that makes us fat, and that right. weight loss is calories in, calories out. Right. So when you see something that's non-fat but still has a bunch of sugar in it, we think and it's his better. his big thing was that sugar is really bad for you. But then interestingly... He must have read the same book that Brandon Roth read because well, he said the same thing. I think thing. there's one book. Yeah. I think there's one guy that's... that's this, because yeah, he, I read an interview with him on Twitter the other day. But then yesterday, because my car radio is on talk radio now because Red Season started, so I listened to baseball when I'm in the car. So they win in? No, I'm, they won last night. They're, they were going to be bad. Oh. But they, um, Michael, my brother, if he listens, this is pissed because he's such an optimist. <laughs> they won last night against a really bad team. I'm like, yeah, they're going to win 100 games now. But so yesterday, Rush Limbaugh's on talking about what nonsense this is and how all the millennials are going after soda and how they hate big sugar and and, and like acting like this is some like hipster vegan, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, but Rush Limbaugh's... Rush Limbaugh, who's been a fat man his whole life, is taking up for is taking up. We need to drink more soda, guys. And and what's interesting for him is he's if not. If Coke goes down, we all go down. The interesting <laughs> thing for him is he's not interested in the sign of the diet part of it. He perceives that as a culture war, and because millennials are anti this, he perceives right. that as good. And I was listening to like I listened to his defense of big sugar. And how how millennials? Oh, it's like Parks and Rec. It's so funny, and I was like, "You, this is they're probably fights worth fighting if you're that dude." But so anyway, so I ordered two of these guys' books. So I'm gonna read. I'm gonna. I really am trying to cut my sugar back. But this yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I was like, "What can I do to cut?" Because what has happened to not drink coffee and beer as I snack and I snack on crap? Mm. Like, oh, here's a cookie, here's this, and I'm like, mine is that this is the season. The season from Christmas to Valentine's Day to Easter is when Reese's kids continually putting out specialty Reese's cups and then they're especially they're continually going on clearance and I'm going to look I'm going to load up I'll spend 50 bucks next week on Monday after Easter buying Reese's cups do you ever eat the Cadbury egg yeah yeah, yeah. I love them. I, Easter, though. I, I like to, I buy them for the kids because I think they're the coolest thing but I can't stand the way they taste that whatever that white Nougaty stuff is, I feel is like, so, so gross. So I feel like it's gotten less liquidy as as they've changed. Hey, the it's more chocolatey. No, no. The but they're like a, there's something magical about a Cadbury. The egg, white I think. stuff is not. Maybe we'll use it as a sermon illustration next not week. Not as Cadbury. <laughs> You're not gonna be able to talk about that throwing up like creamy and. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'll eat a Cadbury eggs all Easter. Uh, so we thought we would uh, talk this podcast about our most dreaded time of every season is when the sermon series we're currently on. Is about to get be done, and <laughs> we have to do a new one. Sermon, uh, so sermon prep class was the worst in seminary too, because it was all bullshit. It was all like, well, if you're not spending, and we've talked about this before, if you're not spending twenty or thirty hours a week on each sermon, the hell. 
Or like when they came up with Sears, they're like, no, there's all kinds of cool Sears. I actually have this book. I still have it. And uh, it's called like uh, Meredith's uh, Book of Lists or something like that. And so you could go and it'll tell you any list in the Bible, bridges, rams. You look up a word and it'll show you a list of those things mentioned in the Bible. And he's like, this right here is gold, guys. Do a, do, a, do a sermon series on bridges. Bridges in your life. And then here's 20 verses that deal with bridges. And I was like... That's not bad. <laughs> that's really cheesy. That's not a horrible way to read the Bible. It's not a horrible Cause, way to read the Bible. Because as soon as you said that, Rob Bell would talk about... When he talked about like building sermons like... You know what? I really make fun of this book. You can, I'll, I'll bring it and you can put no, it in. No, no. I'm interested in the idea because Rob Bell would say something like... If you run into something and you're like, what do I make out of this? Go to the first time that's mentioned in scripture and know right. that, that would ra- radiate. But isn't that what uh, Bible Gateway does for us now? You yeah, yeah. Plug in the sure. word. Yeah, but like, so I would never have thought of looking up all the bridges in the Bible. It's not <laughs> all the bridges. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> never, mind, so, never mind. Good idea, Meredith, the, in your this, list. <laughs> but this comes to this comes to one of the tensions for us. <laughs> so I sent Justin a text. Justin said, hey, man, we've got to plan our next sermon series. And Justin's like, let's do Seven movies and seven spiritual themes or whatever. Seven great movies of this year and how to be how to be a better husband. Whatever the stupid entrepreneurial movie. Jesus. That's, entrepreneurial that seems Jesus. really yeah, popular. We were all in against that church for the last couple of weeks in our place. Uh, here's the thing. Um, so I got an email from a pastor of that church who said yes, and I I would like to do your podcast. It sounds fun because I've met him several times, and then Christmas happened and you know it was just it was, didn't get a chance to do it. And then I finally got back. It's like hey, you know, are you still interested? We, you know, I'd love to have you on again. And this time he's like, no, I don't think I have time. And I'm like, I wonder if he started listening to it. <laughs> it was like, yeah, give me part I of that. I don't want to be part of that. I actually, but, so like, the, we, there's a, we both have a philosophy of building either sermons or sermon series that precludes us from ever doing the, here's seven steps to being a better spouse or a better employee or the, that kind of stuff. We can never listen. Well, because but it's mainly because it's not in the Bible. It's not. But if we did it, people would love it. I guess. Oh, yeah, because we've done a couple of videos of you're like, oh, man, we should do that all the time. I'm like, oh, gosh, that was so much work. <laughs> there are there are things in our, that we've sort of rejected out of our Christian upbringing or Christian past as, as folks who've done ministry for a while that were like, no, that if we would just do them. And it would yeah, be but, you know, easy. it's way more difficult to do topical sermons for me than it, it used to not be. It used to be like, oh, a nice topical sermon is super easy. But now I feel like, the more Bible-rich and exegetical our sermons are, there's just so much content to go through, you're never without something to say. Whereas, yeah. like, topical, it's like, well, let me look up some inspirational phrase and find some story that yeah. wows everyone and brings a tear to the eye. I just and... don't know what I've got to say to you about, like, topical sermons. Like, right. here's here's how to have better finances in your marriage. Talk to my wife. Right. Don't talk go to Go find me. some experts. That's why I wish, uh, I do wish about the big mega church. I wish that they could... Look at, I wish they could say, hey, look, we're all stressed. Man, it seems like we need to make some more time in our lives and our families. You know what? The Bible doesn't really talk about that. Right. But we have an expert coming in. So for the next seven weeks, it's not really a Bible thing, but I think it's good for all of us. I think that's awesome. I think that's super helpful for 40,000 people who meet together and to say, hey, this is. But anyway, so we do mainly, I mean, I feel like for our church, the main place they're going to get, uh, pieces of in, like knowledge about scripture that they're not getting in their everyday life is going to be on our sermons on Sunday. So they tend to be a little more historical, a little more right. uh, just Bible 
I hate saying like Bible heavy because I'm sure everyone's sermon's Bible heavy, but like just more intentional. <laughs> I'm sure everyone's is not. <laughs> I've been to churches where they absolutely um, not. And so, uh, anyway, so we like, hey, we have to plan a new one. So I was like, we should do it on their podcast. Yeah. How we would, how we would normally do. It. What do you normally do? Do you sit and think, all right, this is what we should talk about, or do you think, oh, this is what? Sometimes I do think this is what our church needs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the only thing I'm beholden to is I do feel an obligation to stay somewhat connected to the church calendar. So we have to do it. I always feel right. the need to do a Lent sermon series. Yeah, it's fun. I feel the need to do an Easter sermon that includes the t- empty tomb being rolled away, the, right. the, the stone. They have to have. We learned the lesson. You better talk about the Christmas story around Christmas, or people yeah. are frustrated. We didn't we even tried. talk about it. We tried. Oh. Um, don't so you know there, it? There are some, but I also have given up some like church holidays. Like we don't do a lot with. Um, Pentecost, because really the church calendar is super heavy from Christmas to Easter, right. and then you drop into ordinary time. It seems like our, so when we first started, we were like, book of the Bible, book of the Bible, book of the Bible. Pick a book of the Bible and go. And that was fun. Yeah. Right? Which probably not, it's relatively easy. It's not bad, yeah. Uh, you can't mess up. Um, I suppose. I mean. <laughs> we'll sure find we another way to mess up. And then, uh, then we kind of got, we started doing some like more like themed Sort of sermons. But even those were always themed about, like, how to better understand the Bible. So maybe, right, right, Because we right. did, like, a Second Temple Judaism theme, like, to preach through. Right. Because my hope would be the people... And right I, now we're doing the Seven Woes, the Seven Pharisees. Yeah. I really do hope that people are reading their Bibles more. I don't think they are. <laughs> I don't think they I, are I mean, either. Like, and that's not meant as a guilt trip, but I wish... But my wife and I were talking about, like, she's reading through... She's doing, like, a, their, her daily reading devotion. She's following uh, Read the Bible in Your Calendar, and she's in the middle of... um. She's in the middle of like Deuteronomy and Leviticus. And I said, you know, the, the thing about that is most of that's not for you. Right. I said, Deuteronomy might be at least interesting because that's the only thing that Paul and Jesus are ever going to quote from is Deuteronomy. Right. But most of that is only context. It's like reading so, the Cimmerillion. Yeah. I, and so I try to sit down and do like it, even like to say, so I'm reading Judges right now. And today was the one where they. Where the the Levite takes the concubine that's been raped and cuts her into twelve oh, pieces yeah, and, and centered all of Israel, then they go desolate. That's a weird, it's a weird, weird story. story. Man. And I sit and, but then there's it starts with and Israel has no king. Israel has no king, and I, at the end, like that's that's my prayer is, man, Jesus, it's easy for me for things to get off the rails when I don't have a king. Um, so I think I, but I really am hoping that people are at least reading the Bible and saying, what the right. hell do I do with this story? Like how to make sense out of it. And then my hope is that on Sunday mornings that we're saying enough to give folks a context to, to at least know where to go to ask questions about how to make sense of a story. And um, so I really do hope that we're providing that on Sunday morning right. in that context. Yeah. So we, and then it seems like in the summer times we kind of just do like fun stuff like, hey, this will be fun to talk about. I do always feel like the summer series has to be 12 weeks. Right. I want to do one sermon series, but I want to try to get everybody together multiple times. In the my summer. favorite one, I don't know if it was your favorite one, was when we just did... Uh, all right, we're gonna Jason Jesse tell their favorite stories. Yeah, from the Bible. I like that because I there's some because the problem with doing a lot, especially Old Testament books, is most of them are written with one specific one thing. thing. So you end up, especially the prophets, you end up saying the same thing every week. So yeah. like, so then you have to start making. So then they become topical because you have to start making up something new. Well, let's go with this now. Yeah. Or- so. I one of the things I pre, one of the things I appreciate about my seminary education because you won't hear me say this often, is I do appreciate that my professors to all of them. If I emailed them today and said I need help with this, right? Where should I go? They will all get back to me that day. Um, 
and mostly they'll get back to me instantly. I've I have all their cell phones. I can text them all right now, and um, and so my old testament professor, uh, both both Doctor Doctor Dyke and Doctor Zeese, Dana, does Dana PhD? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Now that I say so. that, he's on par with anybody, but, but so they will give I think me he has multiple. Quite a few master's degrees. I think he has at least three master's okay. degrees. They'll give me multiple sources where I can read a full spectrum of sources because because then it just comes down to because here's the trick with sermon playing so ready right if I just handed you the commentary I'm reading from you could get the sermon yourself right yeah yeah but these that's what I always think like you could do yeah, this it's, work it's all accessible the internet's there Wikipedia is not the worst source for some things no uh, <laughs> this new we I use the new interpreter bible and the the old text or the dictionary series between those two things and then anything either N.T. Wright's wrote or Walter Brueggemann's wrote you probably could guess. You might miss, I guess, the super creative spin I'm going to put on it. Well, and the other thing is, you there's never an idea that you'll come up with where I'll be like, no, no <laughs> way. And I think vice versa. Well, it's just if like, I did that, what would you do? Would you? Say no, it? I just. All right, I guess that wasn't good. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't have much pride in my thoughts. No, no. If I had like a thought, and you were like, no, that's not. That's oh. not pressure at all. Would you feel the need to correct it on Sunday morning? Oh no way, man! That would be so rude. I would probably just ignore. Do you remember? Do you remember the last church that we worked out where the dude just botched it on a Sunday morning with the three hundred reference? Oh yes. And I like for because I was leading worship, and I had like I did like do I get up there and correct him? <laughs> and it was egregious enough that I could have felt justified. I didn't because it wasn't worth the fight. But yeah. No. I it's one of those like planning sermon. The other thing that's tough about planning sermons or ser- sermon series, I think, is harder. Is you don't hit your stride in a sermon series till about it doesn't coalesce till about midway through. Right. Even with like, or sometimes I feel like there's a great idea in the beginning, and we hit it real hard. Like man, that was good. And then like, oh, we still have seven weeks of the same idea. Yeah, even the seven woes. The seven woes kind of always came back to, kind of that which why. I, yeah, I like this series. So I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I've gotten positive feedback out of this one multiple times, and I think particularly in my case, I always feel the need to do like historical critical like critical historical context right and i think that that's a it ticks off a a need to say oh there's when i don't understand the bible i know that there's a background that i don't fully get that helps me understand why i don't understand it which i think is a helpful key to have like when you come across something in the bible say oh the story of the the levite because they send the woman out to be raped this is in judges 19 through 21 they send the woman out to be raped she is they kill her so then he takes her dead body to his hometown, then cuts her up, then distributes her to Israel to say this bad thing has happened. If you read that cold, the is going on here? This is crazy. What's but if you've got a decent context that allows you to say, oh, I know enough to know there's something in the background behind this and my pastors know it or some my pastors know somebody who knows it. I don't have to freak out about this horrible story. I can make yeah. con. There's a context I can get out of this. I think that's helpful. Yeah, and I think every every time we do any sermon, almost every time I speak, I I think I get this from N.T. Right. I'm like, well, you can't talk about this until you talk about Exodus, and you can't talk about Exodus until you talk about Genesis. You can't talk about like, yeah. And I always I always go back to the creation table. Well, that's why every sermon borders on 20, 45 minutes long instead of twenty five right. minutes long because you have to do that. And then uh, and then you're always like, especially when I always feel the need to recap, like you're oh, yeah. watching like reruns of episodes, like, like your J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> she stops that after book four, I think. Book, she book, she doesn't do the recap anymore. I'm after reading four. book four right now. Does she do the and recap? I just got a two-page explanation of what Quidditch is. 
Oh. If you're in Prisoner of Azkaban... There you, are people you, who just no. grab random books. You, Harry Potter? I think there are people who do that. Well, I've heard about I Harry think, Potter. Let me sub book four. I bet she gets paid by page. <laughs> no, nah, he eventually does stop the recast. But, I mean, a lot of authors do that. Uh, the Hunger Games did not, because the Hunger Games, like, stops word one and ends word, I mean, begins yeah. word two. Like, George R. R. Martin does that. Yeah. Game of Thrones explains everything over and over. Yeah. Because that oh. story's a damn story. What kind of food are you eating? Again? Here's the color What of color flag. are their flags? <laughs> Everybody's flag gets four pages. How did the Yunkai operate their politics? I, re- oh, you, I refuse important. to pick. I, never, I will never read another one's books till all seven are done. But they're not. He's not going to finish them. He's not going to finish them. He is a hack. And he's not a, He's not an artist. He's seventy something. He's got tons of money. Bob or Tyler, if you listen to this, if you tell me again that he's better than Tolkien, I'll come to your house and cut you. He's got tons of money. He's seventy years old. He doesn't care about the art. He doesn't. He just cares. Hey, I'll let, I'll tell it. I'll whisper in HBO's ear how it ends and let them end it right. for me. Well, he's, the but, first guy ever to start a book series and let a TV series end it. Look, now I'm famous. Well, plus he's got he's got a. I used both art mediums. He's got to write up all his rape fantasies and <laughs> the stuff he knew he couldn't get published, but he get HBO to put in film. <laughs> All right, so what should we preach about next? Uh, so I do also, this comes up, and I think this comes up a lot for us there. I bet if you went through and looked at our text messages or emails, there's a time when this gets sort of frantic. My guess is coming out of a holiday sermon series. So coming out of a Lent sermon series, I feel like there should be a so what. So that we've, we've spent seven weeks popping towards Easter being a big deal. Right. The next sermon should be a response to that, like a, a next thought coming out of this big deal, right? Um Summer's one, and then I, Advent is the one that I always stress out the most about because everybody knows the damn story, right? With Advent, and so, so I don't never know because with the other one with is that from Easter you got like, what six weeks to Pentecost, right? So the, you know you could build a theme around Easter towards Pentecost with this idea of because you could do for us you could do this idea of like, um, like uh, embryonic church like this is so you do the church between. The Ascension of Jesus and Pentecost, the right. church in its infancy, the church as scare, the church is non-responsive to the Holy Spirit, the church is those kind of things, and what happens. Because eventually, and I think I've heard you say this, eventually they're so bad that God has to send Paul to go kick them out of there. Right. Go do something. You guys just sat around and done nothing. <laughs> just sitting there. Um, yeah, sometimes I think we could take a series that we've done before. Do it over again. And do it over again, and no one would know. No. No one would know. I bet the only one people would know is if we did the seven woes again. Then they'd be like, wait, right. wait, it's yeah, like, yeah. didn't we just yeah. do, maybe we didn't. Maybe I keep, we didn't. I, keep I bet we could do one we did like three sermons years ago, and people would be like, mm, this isn't good. <laughs> I've heard this before somewhere. <laughs> oh, I've heard this. <laughs> My only problem is I don't uh, record any, I don't write anything down. I have every one I've ever done. I could do every sermon I've ever done. Oh, see, I don't write any down anymore now. I write about five sentences on a piece of paper, and that's it. And then, although I think they're all stuffed in my Bible, those pieces of paper. But that guarantees I, my sermons are three hours long. I could not. Uh, I could not look at this piece of paper now and figure out whatever it was I was trying to say. It's like, why did I draw this picture? Yeah, we should go back and do the seven letters. I just thought of that. That was the first sermon series we ever did. Seven it's letters. Not a lot seven anymore. We ran out of storage space on our podcast, so it got deleted. Ah, nice. I may have them on it's my archived. I may have them on my computer somewhere. It's archived. We have those videos still, I think. They're still on YouTube. Yeah. Back when we cared. <laughs> we were real creative. Oh, back when like, my oldest child has all kinds of videos on YouTube also. <laughs> Doing supper church. My youngest child has no video ever of him. <laughs> Who? <laughs> yeah, what's his name? Who? No, I, so, my, so my first thought is, 
so is a connection from East. Uh, what? How do we interpret Easter? How do we? How do we live in? On Sunday, that would be actually a good Lent. Sort That's of funny because I always go to okay. What have we not done? Yeah. Or or if there does seem to be like man, people really are freaking out about the spot, but. But I then that becomes real topical. That's not a Bible right. sermon. Do you picture a person every time you preach? Not every time. There are times when I know. There are times when I feel like this is probably going to be the the most charismatic thing I've ever said. There will be people at Legend. I think this stress out a little bit. There are times when I feel like the Holy Spirit is very much involved in the creation of my sermons. Right. And I get physical sensations from that. Like I I feel vertigo. Do you? Uh, has there ever been a time where you thought of someone and then they weren't there that Sunday and then you get all freaked mm-hmm. out? There, I don't think so either. So the closest I get is I'll get vertigo when I'm writing a particular section of my sermon and feel like, oh man, this is the Holy Spirit really trying to work through something right now. Huh. And so slow down and be careful about how you say this because right. this is for somebody. Interesting. I'll get a click. I'll just be like, oh, that makes sense. Did that happen to me two weeks ago. That's this, about it. When no. you were out of town, I could not make sense of, it was the tithing sermon. So you get us tithing and social justice. Jesus says you tithe and that's good, but you don't do social justice, that's bad. You should do both. And I was like, well, why is it that they don't do both and how to... And it, it was Friday afternoon. I read that sermon on Monday. And it was Friday afternoon where I just remembered that constantly in the Old Testament, those two ideas are always connected to remembering what God has done for you. Right. And so what? And what's happened for the Pharisees is God's not done anything for them. They, right. God's checked out really for 400 years. Mm in their world and so how to make sense of that so there today I, I've written my sermon for this week it's not great I've tried to I've, I've tried again to jam too many thoughts into it what's this one again this is the last one so this is you kill the prophets and yeah and then why'd you do that well that's <laughs> well cause cause the main line in that sermon is where he says um go ahead and finish the job well, I like what he means is Ben's I'm, graphic is the bloody knife it's <laughs> right. good but what he says is, I'm the I'm the last stroke in that. I'm right. the I'm the one you're gonna kill. That's the final. But I'm um, also trying to jam in Palm Sunday, and I'm trying to jam in Good Friday, and I'm trying to jam them all. I don't in. know what I'm gonna say for Easter. Easy. Just playing. Right. Um, let's play a bunch of video clips. Devil went down to Georgia. Have you seen the Devil went down to Georgia? But it's spliced in. Uh, it's all about like. Jesus and his disciples going down, and like it's him on the cross and no. the devil. You never seen it? No. <laughs> It's such a good. Oh my gosh! <laughs> have you have you ever heard Primus's cover of the Devil Down Georgia? Uh, I think so. I didn't it, like it though. It's everything you expect when you hear yeah. about the Primus cover of the Devil Down. Because I think I remember being like, "Oh, that'd be cool," and then I was like, "Yeah, I really like They're the original." So weird. Um, so yeah, I usually go to okay, what have we not done, or what book have we not done, or what things have you we always not done? you always like to go Old Testament, New Testament, right? Like you like the. And that was one I say too. I like because I was like, "Oh, should we go Old Testament now?" Because interesting, we've done both Psalms and Proverbs already. Which means we would never go back to them again. Right. But we didn't do all... We did Proverbs in a very we did uh, eight, Brueggemann way, right? Or no, Psalms. We did we did three different interpretive schemes of Psalms. We did nine weeks in Psalms. Yeah. Because we did Brueggemann's and then we did a different... What did one. we do with Proverbs? I don't remember. I remember... Because I think Eric Tomeo preached in that sermon series. That's how I remember it. Because I think Eric was still involved in... I'm just so trying to think what while. we did. So that's what we could do again. And Here's we... a bunch of advice that the guy who wrote it didn't follow. Right. <laughs> it's the Bible, right? <laughs> that's right. We could do, um, we could do Ecclesiastes. I don't typically like doing wisdom literature stuff. I think it's hard. Because I yeah. think it's it's almost so obscure. It, and... Well, and a, something like Ecclesiastes really has one point. Right. It is one rating, like... Oh, all this, and then this is the point. So you'd have to do at the end of each week, well, this is the point. Right. Unless you just went 
six weeks of meaningless, 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 right. and then leave everyone feeling meaningless. Right. No meaning there. Just you suck. The right. world sucks. I suck. I think there's something. I think there's actually a significant problem for for us as 21st century. We to don't like wrap it up in a pretty well. Bow. We don't read poetry. Right. None of us do anything with poetry and radio. I so I love all things Irish. I bought a book of Irish poetry story. I'm like, God, this, one, this sucks. Pablo Neruda. Like our friend KT really gets a lot out of reading poetry. Right. It really connects and finds meaning. And that's fantastic. Nobody in our world that I know, I don't know anybody that sits down actually focuses to read poetry. Two thirds of the Bible is poetry. Yeah. And it's supposed to be right. So you have That's to why we like, interpret Genesis as real, not right. uh, a story. We don't know how to read poetry. We don't know how to teach poetry. And so it's actually, I think, I think it's a very difficult thing. I think it's a part of where our, where biblical fundamentalism comes in, where biblical, like where it's difficult for right. us. You've always wanted to do a politics series though, too, right? Yeah. I, my thing would be, I think there's when I, but that goes back to looking at the church and what I feel like the church is experiencing right now, a politics thing would be a good one right, right. now. Like we've got people sort of like flailing at what does it mean to be to be super involved in social justice issues, and then my question to them is always okay. What's it mean to be a follower of Jesus involved in social justice issues? So that's where that thought came from. Um, I think the I think the the I think the hot topic sermon, which probably is a different one than that, is is only beneficial in that it gets to a gigantic thesis of my life that says. You can come to this church and be pro life or pro choice. Right. You're welcome here with the diversity of ideas, which I don't think most churches are teaching. And I think mine would be or how, even experiencing it. Right. So my thing would how to be a how do we create a church where that's okay? Right. B how do we teach people to respect other people's beliefs on that, and then to be bound together by who Jesus is and what Jesus calls people to. Um, but I also like. I wouldn't do it now. I wouldn't do it. Although I feel like politics has probably settled down in the last six weeks. But what's the deal there? Still going on all the politics? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. The know. um, I thought my Balaam and the Beast was the most clever <laughs> sermon title I ever thought of. It's so relevant right now. Beauty and the Beast, Balaam and his donkey. <laughs> That's such a weird story too. That's trying to make any damn sense. Yeah, it does. If God can speak through Balaam's ass, he can surely speak through you. Sure. <laughs> but that angel that's mad at him, the angel's like, God tells Balaam to go, and then Balaam goes, and then the angel's mad at him for opposing it? Like, that's... And that donkey? That, that's one of those stories where there are multiple multiple ancient sources that have been melded together there. Right. And there's some inconsistencies in how that got melded together, because God's crazy in that story. That's what I was, that's what we should do. We should take all the since it's really cool right now, all the Disney like fairy tales and rework them into a Bible story. Balaam and the Beast. That's the only one I can think of right now. The little. Uh, what did you do for Little Mermaid? The little Melchizedek. <laughs> He's the you know handicapped kid. So, so the so the only thing here is the first letter's got to match up. That's that's, yes. that's the servitude. Right. <laughs> that makes as much sense as everything else. Fine. <laughs> People would eat it up. I mean, that's real. I never thought of that. <laughs> There's a reason you never thought of that. It's not a thing. <laughs> you should never have thought of that. Yeah, we could do a bunch. Instead of Aladdin, you would do. I'll do Abimelech. I'll do Lord. Of, I'll do Lord of the Rings themes in the in the Bible right now. The right two now. towers. What would the two towers be? The two temples. The two temples. Yeah, the two temples. The you two could, temples. You could do. Uh, you could do the city. You could do New Jerusalem, Old Jerusalem. As two towers, so that would be closer to what Tolkien's trying to say with two towers. Right. Um, Return of the King. That that just it's pretty preaches easy. itself. It's pretty easy. <laughs> it itself. I got a book around here like following, following Gandalf, 
and it's like somebody gave it to him as a youth pastor and it's like exploring spiritual themes of Lord of the Rings I'm like he was a Catholic <laughs> <laughs> everything is, it's not the that worst, hard the worst one was finding God in the Chronicles oh of finding God in the Chronicles I'm like come on yeah. <laughs> what are you where doing? is he really Aslan the whole time no. the whole time you know our kids do your kids like the Narnia stories yeah they my like kids them. hate them I read them to them since they were little, though. My kids hate them. I, I didn't read them to them. I tried, like, Leo's like, Dad, it's so boring. The movies suck, that's for sure. I thought the... Well, the first one wasn't bad. I liked that one. Yeah. I didn't mind the second one. It was just actually... The third movie. one was, like, the worst abomination. They keep trying to restart it. Now they're, they're going to start them out of order. Yeah, now they're doing... Silver, no. Silver, Silver Chair. Chair's next? Well, that would be the order that they were written in. Silver Chair's a good one. Yeah. Silver but Chair. it's supposed to be a different company doing it, too, so... Not Disney? So what are we going to preach on? <laughs> I don't you know, I don't, it, it is easy just because I it, it was easy when I was in seminary because I would just say well, hey this is a book I'm studying right I'm going to have all kinds of resources and constant updates on this this will be easy because we've done yeah there's some that I think would be hard to revisit like Job would be hard to revisit Jonah would be hard to revisit because I think we did such a good job on them and just exhausted it that Job story was exhausting to preach through uh, I like the way we did the Jonah one that was kind of fun yeah because there's only four chapters that we did eight weeks right we yeah. did you, we both did the same chapter, right? Different week. interpretation. Um, we don't do a good job of doing New Testament like doctrinal sermons, right? Like we've never really done any of the uh, outside of Pauline letters, like or any uh, of the smaller did, epistles. We did John. We did a lot of John stuff because I was in. We've never done my least favorite book, James. Yeah, we have. Did we? Yeah. Because we went out. Of, That's probably why I blocked it out. We went out of our way to make sure because. Because Elsie really likes that book, and, and we went out of our way to tell her, hey, we're doing oh, this because right. you asked us to do this book. That's right. We've still, we haven't done, like, the super small, you can't build a service like series out of Philemon, Philemon and, and Titus. Jude. I don't think the pastoral epistles are great for Sunday morning preaching. First Timothy, Second Timothy, Titus. They're okay. Because they're aimed at leaders. They're aimed at leaders, right. And not everybody, like, not everybody wants to be a Never done leader. First, Second, Third John. I think we have. Have we? I think we did. Thatcher wrote a book on it. Because I was in Thatcher's class. That was my advanced Greek class. I'm fairly sure if you went back and looked. I remember we did Acts. We did the missionary journey and then we came back and finished it. But Acts is a good place to start for a young church. Acts was a good place. Acts is a good place for a young church. We've done all the Gospels. We've been in and out of the Gospels. We've done it all. We did Revelation. We've done all the... We've done in and out of the Gospels. I don't think we've ever done a systematic look through the Gospels. Um, I think we did John once. We've done the... Have we done Genesis? Like the narratives? Have we gone through? We did, the, we did 1 through 12. We did oh, the creation we did do 1 story. through 12, that's right. We've not done... We haven't done some of the more simple stories. The, the Noadic story and the, the Joseph story. and. Right, we haven't done the, like the Israel story. We've done Exodus. We did Joshua, I remember. We did Joshua. We've been at this for 10 years, man. Jeez, we did it all. We've been at this for 10 years. Let's start years. a new book. Well, that's so. So Mandy Smith would do. That's why they do the lectionary. Right. The lectionary tells you what to do. Right. And it's actually sometimes it sounds like it sucks. So when I talk to like everyone I know who goes through it, sometimes they're just I'm just like, like, why we're doing this? I'm like, that doesn't sound fun to talk about. The way I would think about it, it gives you an interesting. It's sort and of, I don't think the lectionary pays enough attention to the narrative of the Old Testament no, no, either. No, no. It's not designed to. It's designed right. to give snippets to an illiterate culture. Right. But the nice thing, the the thing the lectionary does that I think is interesting, and maybe maybe this is just the way I think about it, the lectionary gives you boundaries that you have to play in, which makes you be creative. The next, the lectionary is like writing right. a haiku. The lectionary gives you a, oh, I've got to make sense of this now. 
Right. Because the story, because this is the rules I've agreed to play by. Right. It's 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 songwriting. Yeah. It's 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 deciding to paint instead of chisel. Like you're just you're you're just disciplining because you're only going to get like a verse right in the lecture, and actually you're going to get three. You're going to get an Old Testament verse, a Psalm, and a New Testament verse every week. And if you go through all three years, then you've been in every book of the Bible. Right. As opposed to getting like gigantic, but even that is a. That's a particular philosophy that says the Bible is one book from Genesis to Revelation. Right. Okay. Because that's what I like about doing the books is that we get to get people into the narrative of the book. Right. Because I, I, ideally, right, if, if the Holy Spirit has inspired the scriptures, then the Bible is one book by one source from right. Genesis to Revelation. But that process, the, we assume that to be true. But the A, it's not biblical. The Bible doesn't say that. Right. B, we don't know how that's true. Right. Right. Because Paul says, and this is this is me talking, this is not the Holy Spirit talking. Right. Um, and so so there becomes all these things. I So I want people to read the Bible uh, as one story, one narrative from Genesis Revelation. I think that's good. But I also want people to be able to see, oh, the difference between Leviticus and Deuteronomy. To see, oh, the Levites were writing, the priests were writing this, and, right. and the kings were writing this. Deuteronomy kind of follows the kings. Um, first, second, first, second Kings, first, second Chronicles, and see the differences because I think that would be an interesting story, uh, interesting sermon, topical sermon series would be to go through like where the Bible contradicts itself. So oh, like that would be fun. So did like did did David do the census or did the Holy did the did the devil tempt David to do the census or did the Holy Spirit inspire him to do the census? Cause, right. Because two books say two different things. Um, so at the end of at the end of second at the end of second Chronicles, I think when Josiah goes out to fight Egypt, goes out to fight somebody in the king of Egypt's like what are you doing you can't win this but the text refers to the king of Egypt as a prophet right because God is now speaking to the king of Egypt oh well that's Balaam because Balaam's uh, in one well he's a good guy in one uh, part of a story and then in another story they talk about the same dude they're like oh he's yeah because the two kingdoms are they well even even reading through the concubine story in Joshua so the story's clearly an echo of Lot right Right. Dude comes to visit a town, mm. has his and because and the guy that comes out that's his host comes out and says, "Don't do this wicked thing." Here's my virgin daughters and their concubines. You take them. The difference is, is the people of uh, the people of Sodom say no, and nothing happens. The people of Israel take the concubine and the virgin and rape her, <laughs> and rape both of them. Sorry, and goes through it like it's a. But you don't get that context. Right. You don't get the ability to do that if you're not reading the Bible regularly through the whole story to see parallels. Right. And that parallelism is so important. I was yeah. trying to, because I was trying to explain that that concept to somebody the other day. It really is one of those, because we read as modern readers, we look at the Bible as a textbook, it doesn't find, it won't work. Right. The Bible will fail you if you read it as a textbook. Because it's not supposed to be. Um, so yeah, I, at this point, like, we could do whatever, right? This is hard. I, I, and I've always wanted. We should end the podcast right there. <laughs> Show dun. up on Sunday and find out what they dun, decided. Dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Well, so the other thing that we do as part of our process here, and I think this part of this conversation is, I felt it's really important to involve other people in our sermon creation process. Like there are practical concerns, like our friend Ben, who works tirelessly for us, and anything we ask him to do, he'll do for free, like creating graphics and those kind of things. To have him involved in this conversation. Monty to get him involved in what kind of music we're going to pick and how that sets a sermon series. But that always feels like it's pulling teeth too. Like, cause if we went to them today and said, Hey, what should the next sermon series be? Tyler, Tyler's always there because he's thoughtful about scripture. He's got it. He's really well read on Bible interpretation. So we have those three. Make sure you get all the encouragements out there I, for yeah, anyone who I, may I, listen I, to I, the I, podcast. I, I already know that they're, because they, cause what I'm about to say is 
Sometimes it feels like I'm really pulling teeth to get contributions right. at that meeting. Because they don't think anyone else thinks about it like we do. That's it's right. And so do. so I felt the need lately to we need to have a, a pretty solid idea that we go to and present at that meeting. Right. And then let those people work inside of that. Um, but the flip side of that is we never we don't have women come into that regularly. We don't have uh, Yeah, well, maybe we should just let this next series be the women's pastor of the church. Let her just go for a while. That'll be I have offered multiple so the interesting thing is I've asked there we've got four or five really strong female voices at Legend that I have asked to preach, and they've all said no. Yeah. They've all said no. Um, and now there's a ton of people that are like, well, I didn't get asked. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, although, part of that is because we've been told multiple times that people only want me and Justin to preach. Yep, true. Which is weird. So, But I've been thinking lately a lot about how... we're so amazing. Right, we're so good. <laughs> how, do we, how do we increase the diversity of voices that are influencing those sermons... And then that goes even back into what commentaries we're reading. We're, right. only, we're only reading people from one perspective most of the time. Um, True. And how to make sense of that. So so this that part of the process of how that... I, yeah, my whole sermon last week was anti right? Right. Every sermon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not... And I'm okay with that. I'm okay. The dude's a solid thinker. And I've, yeah. I've just planted my flag there. I'm, yeah. This is, the, this is the what I have. Now, if you come to me with, oh, this person has a good idea on this text, I'm, I'm sure... My thing would be if... You came to me and said, this person has a different philosophy, different take on the scripture. My guess is that it will line up with rights because I think rights is true. Right. And I think truth always is going to line up with other truth. Right. And so that's going to be a filter for me. And But I'm going to put rights as a primary filter because of the work he's done on social, cultural, and historical context that I think is critical to reading the Bible. I've just made that decision. Yeah. If you disagree, there's, if you may disagree, you and can read it. And every time I read it, I'm like, I really like that. And he's a thoughtful <laughs> man. He's good. So we... I wondered if we could get him to be on our podcast while we're in D.C. So in a couple of weeks from now, Justin and I are going to go to Podcast on the road. Make sure you bring your equipment. But I do. I wonder if we emailed him and said, hey, we have a podcast that only like 50 people listen to. Would you do it? Because he does Dude, pod- email him. Why are we not emailing him? He does podcasts. Anyone else special going to be there? He does podcasts for like hundreds of thousands of people, right? millions of listeners. He does all Dude, the Dude, we ones. should do some on the road podcasting while we're there. I don't, be like, I don't, here, we just met this guy. What hey, do you think of us? Hey. Uh, all right, well, you're going to have to come to church to find out a sermon series because we're about out of time. Oh, man, I really thought we were going to come up with an actual sermon series. By the end. <laughs> I thought so, too. I was like, this might take another hour. Flip side of that, if you listen to this, I love ideas. If you had an idea for good sermons or good thoughts that you want to see explored, because that's, that's the other part that's interesting about a sermon. What's a sermon supposed to do? And right. I don't feel like we've ever answered that question as a mm. church. We've never sat down and said, why do we preach a sermon every Sunday morning? Tom Thatcher asked me that. He goes... Well, you don't have to preach, right? You don't have to do that every morning. You do it because that's what church has always right. done. You don't have to do this every morning. And then I was like, oh, well, why do we do this? What would your answer be? I have two. Uh, my answer would be my hope is that people in learning that the, the, the I believe the Bible is one of the ways that God speaks to his people. And this is a chance to help people listen to, to God on a more regular basis. Yeah. Mine's educate and encourage. Yeah. I always try to do it. It's either, hey, this is something we didn't know. Or this is something I need to hear to encourage. But so that's an interesting thing because... Like mine, mine had two E's. You had two E's. Two E's. You're a seminary graduate. <laughs> but we, it's an interesting thing because we could... The flip side of that, we could do from our congregation or from folks that listen to us. Right. Um, what is it that you'd want to hear on a Sunday morning? Because we have ideas. right? I have things that I geek out over. Most people probably don't care about them. 
Right now, I have to. Right now, I have to not bend every sermon illustration to something out of wrestling because we're watching wrestling all the time now. <laughs> I had a great, I had a great sermon introduction based on pro wrestling this week that I won't just use. go with it, man. No, this I'm, is not you now. It. I'm not doing Show it. Show up dressed like a pro wrestler. <laughs> I'm not doing the Ultimate Warrior. If I did only Ultimate Warrior clips because he's so insane. Um, Are you the Ultimate Warrior for Jesus? <laughs> it, people, no, people hate that. They're like, no, but if you play like a, you know. We're going to put together our Avengers team for Jesus. And you're like, yeah. Iron Man is this. Who's going to do that at the church? But it's an interesting philosophy. There's The Bible gives us very little about what should happen when we gather together corporately. And what it does say, I think educate and encourage is right. Right. But I think probably communion, encur- communion and encouragement, right? Right. There is this idea that they, they gather daily and taught from the script. That's gathering daily. Right. Right. But they gathered regularly. You know from Justin Martyr that they gathered on Sundays. There they was didn't... some teaching from the scriptures. Um, they sing songs. They sing songs. They eat together. But we don't know what the teaching from the scriptures was. I'll bet it wasn't somebody giving a 45-minute monologue. It was probably week. like, well, I read this. I read Great. It. But Sounds good. That's what we see Jesus doing, right? Right. When you showed up at the synagogue, there was essentially this, does anybody, do anybody, does anybody have yeah. a thought? Well, even Peter's Pentecost sermon, I mean, if, let's just say that's a shortened version, still not that long. So I thought the Sermon on the Mount is one of those, like, so there's, I think there's probably more latitude towards what we could do in terms of a Sunday morning than we give ourselves, both you and me personally, and then as the church, what well, you said at the beginning. If we found out that everybody at Legend was, everybody's marriages was falling apart. It would be okay for us to hire a marriage counselor to come in and teach classes on a Sunday, to use that time together to strengthen the body, right. to encourage people, to give people a chance to work those things out in the context that they've set aside for their church. And we become the secular humanists. Right. <laughs> but those, and nobody wants to go to those either. Yeah, right? Right. Those things suck too. And that's actually been, always been my push is that all I have for people is Jesus. Right. Well, that's the only thing everyone there has in common, right? Because the then the second we do a marriage thing, half the other people who aren't married or or single or whatever else, they're like, no, I don't need that. Well, or vice versa. And like, Jesus is what we have in common. So which is interesting because a lot of people will evaluate Sunday mornings on how it meets X need or how it, right. they, we evaluate like a product, which I think you and I have gone out of our way to say it's not. It's not, no, don't do that. Because if you're only here for either the entertainment value or the inspirational value or the concert or whatever, go, to go somewhere else. <laughs> stay out late. Go to Bogarts on Saturday night and see a good band play. Right? Look up a TED Talk on Sunday morning. They're all way down better than I am. Um, but that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to introduce people to the Holy Spirit and give him room to move, and hopefully he's moving through the Scriptures and through our teachings and those kind of things. Well, you should start betting on what we end up landing on and see if you're right. Porn in the Bible. Porn sex, in the Bible. Sex in the Bible. Sex in the Bible. How many times is there sex in the Bible? Don't spill your seed on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever, lately, since our junior high school kids have been coming back into the sermons, it's coming in the worship with us, yeah. have you felt like you needed to pull some punches out of your sermons? Uh, I do. And there's some stories I thought about what I tell and not tell. And I don't think about all the kids. I just think about my kid. I'm like, okay, what do I know? Do you think from the hear? Bible text or the examples you use? Oh, no. I'm never ashamed of the Bible text. Okay. It is what it is. You it take is. it as it is. It's the Bible. It's, 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 my philosophy's been it's the Bible. Oh, yeah. No. No, it's my <laughs> my that's, story. That's probably wise. No, 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 not from the Bible text. It is what it is, man. Oh, yeah, I did you tell deal with that. <laughs> so I'm leading this Harry Potter book club with a bunch of kids from the church that I was trying to get to read more. And uh, we were walking through some things about Harry Potter, and I asked these kids, I was like, what's the worst thing you ever do to get in trouble? And to a T, all of them are like, nothing, man. <laughs> Don't get in trouble. I was like, oh, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. And I told them all these bad things I had done that I got caught for in trouble. And now... 
they all remember all those stories. They're like, Dad, that this? time you got arrested? I was like, Stole my bike. Which time? Which time? Well, hey, thanks for tuning in to Bastard Bastards. Sing French. You motherfuckers need Jesus. Better than you.